You are listening to Something Rather Than Nothing. Creator and host, Ken Vellante. Editor and producer, Peter Bauer. This is Ken Vellante with the Something Rather Than Nothing podcast and got an episode here with Audrey Martinovich, uh, welcoming her from Madison, Wisconsin. And uh, she uh, has a studio, we're talking audio, audio for the arts. Um, she works in uh, sound engineering, producing, and does a whole bunch of really interesting stuff. Audrey, uh, reaching us from Madison, Wisconsin. Welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm excited to talk with you. Yeah, yeah. Same here. Um, origin question. When you were born into the world, were you an artist? I, I would say so. Um, although I, I don't think I like called myself an artist for a while and I don't even know if I still, I mean, yeah, I do call myself an artist now. Um, but I mean, as a kid, I was always drawing, always singing, always just trying to like make something. And, um, you know, just listening to a lot of music when I was little and trying to notice all of the nuance of these performances and stuff really drew me in even at such a young age. So, I mean, I consider that to be an artist, even if I didn't really realize it at the time, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I've been enjoying that question. I've been asking it lately and it just, you know, how people connect or also too, like family and background, what you're allowed to connect and allowed Mm -hmm. to see. Um, I had mentioned at the outset uh, about you, you, you work in sound and I've yeah. expressed to you, I'm, I'm really interested in this because I've had people around me help developing my ear. And of course, this is um, this is a, a, a podcast. So could you talk about um, for you as as, as an artist and working with sound and trying to create an effect and create an art piece? When did you hook uh, into that and say, because of my work and helping produce this sound, I can make this piece of art? Like, what happened there? I, I think that's like an ongoing journey for me, honestly. Like, I started just pretty much only like as a, as an engineer. So like I have a, this musical background, um, grew up singing, was a singer in high school, studied opera, was a soprano. Um, and through like recording my own voice lessons and things, I was introduced to recording from like the engineer's perspective and less from a producer or creator kind of perspective. Um, and once I started just kind of dabbling in that, I, it kind of opened these doors to like, well, what is a sound designer and how can you tell a story with sound and why should you pick, you know, this part of this vocal take instead of this other part of this vocal take like what grabs your ear about these things um differently and so i think that that has really been kind of this journey i have i've been on more and more recently is just how can i tell a story through song or through sound in general because we do you know podcasts and I do sound design for horror films and well not only horror films but that's just the popular (laughs) genre of film I work on love horror that's okay (laughs) even if you just stuck with horror it's totally fine it's so like yeah horror suspense thriller like I you know all of even documentaries like have a way of telling story through sound and um just kind of trying to understand 
how you can play off of certain emotions and feelings and energies and everything is something that has really um, been speaking to me. I consider myself, uh, you know, a bit of an empath. I always kind of understand the other person. Um, and so I want to be a bridge to connect that person's story to this other person who doesn't know anything about the story or the project or whatever. Like, how can I connect those two things? Yeah. And, and, and hearing you talk about that, I'm just impacted because it's, 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 it's that, it's that connection. You know, I think looking at storytelling, right. And looking totally. at, a in our society right now where like collapse communication structure and public commons in order to have discourse to try to create, you know, that, that, that link, I can really, I can really connect, uh, you know, probably the wrong word, but you know, no, I to, think that's exactly the right word. Yeah. 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 Um, so there's a, a couple big theoretical questions and, and one thing about, um, in, in encountering your description, your work and stuff, I, I know you can handle them. So I want to <laughs> just like throw a couple out there yes. for the basis of the conversation before we get into things. Um, been talking a little bit about art and you creating the sound and what is art? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that art is just like as a zoomed out perspective is like an organization of something. So it could be um, an organization of um, you know, clippings from magazines or an organization of instruments and background vocals. And, you know, to kind of relate it back into sound, it's just someone or something is taking an initiative with deciding how something should be created. And so it's a very vague and maybe definition, but I kind of think that anything can be art. Like even if you look at, um, you know, John Cage's 433, that is a, a composition in quotes of air quotes um, of silence, but really, right. you know, it's, it's timed and you do have to turn your pages at certain points and things like that. So it, there's that level of organization to it, but there's no melody and it's kind of like then whatever the room is experiencing or the group is experiencing together becomes that that piece and that story. So then each time it's performed, it's performed differently. And so, um, you know, it doesn't have to be a sound that is made. It's just, I think someone with an intention creating a thing. Yeah. Well, and, and, uh, this, this, this question is almost, I've noticed lately almost always gets into intention, right? Yeah. What is, what has been done? What manipulation has happened to the thing? And it's like that, you know, that basic and conceptual is that there's, uh, something happened uh, to it. Um, Audrey, I have a, I, I'm asking this question now because um, um, I don't want to forget to ask it, mm -hmm. um, but um, you're into podcasting and, and yeah. I've been doing podcasting for a couple of years um, independently and, and, and learning it. Um, what I've noticed lately is that um, sound has become really popular now and that I'm going to give you an example. Maybe you can help me with it. So mm -hmm. there's this show on Apple that's called Calls, and it's calls between people that are interrelated. You, there's no video. It's the sound. Are you familiar with it? I'm not. Yeah. Okay. So let me describe it. So it is calls, interrelated calls made between people. There is no video. You don't see people. You'll see a name, and you'll see a representation of the audio sounds. 
the representation okay. of the audio sounds creates an effect. All the storytelling is audio, and you're watching a TV show that is really an audio cast, and it it's compelling, it's incredible, it draws you. But for me, I see audio lately and the desire for audio almost squishing into video. Mm-hmm. Like post-pandemic, like the the video thing are people like, fuck video, like get away video and like <laughs> wanting audio. I'm recognizing some dynamic. Do you see any of this happening or like what's going on with this? Yeah. So it's so funny you say that because um, so f- through the pandemic, um, you know, our workload at the studio has changed to incorporate more video and whether that is doing like recording for live streams or just putting together a slideshow that is on top of like a radio play, you yeah. know, so you, you, the same kind of thing where it's, you know, an organization of images, although not, you know, people talking or moving on camera. And so there has been that kind of component to it. But I think that the reason that, um, you know, audio is really taking off as like, you know, like podcasts, for example, have just exploded in the last five years. Like no one knew what podcasting was back then, you know? And um, then with apps like Clubhouse, where it's just as audio only kind of platform, um, I think that those are really taking off because they, um, they don't really compete for your full attention like YouTube might, or, you know, if you look away from the screen for a second, you might miss a graphic or something that helps you to like understand the context a little better. Whereas with, with podcasts and stuff, you're, you just have divided attention. So someone can still listen and do the dishes or listen and clean their house or, you know, or drive or, or whatever it is. So it's just this different kind of level of accessibility and um, I think that with with the pandemic, like we're all just trying to make our art accessible in one way or another. So whether whether that is an audio only format or then going to this kind of live stream, like if, if maybe a musician who used to have a lot of gigs and now they are taken to Facebook live only, you know, it's just a way of trying to get your art out in ways that can be digested by your audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um. Yeah, and thanks for your comments on that. I was just, I, it seems like there's um, all I'm saying that like fundamentally, and there's a, a greater desire for audio at the at the, at the mm-hmm. moment, and I yeah. think it's in, in in reaction to things. And you know, part of my thing is with podcasting, or at least um, conversation, like we're trying to have, is like it might be useful for people to hear that people can converse about something that's kind of like important or interesting, or at least curious for a little yeah. while without you know without the mention of you know, the way, you know, the kind of the political climate, just to be able to gab a little bit. Right. Yeah, totally. So, um, why do you create Audrey? Why, why you work hard at what you do? Mm -hmm. You help people make their art, you make your own. Why do you create? Um, I, I create to, I mean, to help other people tell their stories, but then also to kind of tell my own story and to even kind of figure out what that is, you know, our, our, our journeys through life are always changing and, you know, we're hopefully never, never stagnant, um, even through lockdown, you know, um, that, that was a whole other story. And, um, so for me to, to create something like I want to give people goosebumps and grab people by the emotions and make people consider new perspectives and, 
Um, you know, just interfacing that with music is kind of like the natural intersection for that. Like, I, I love, um, you know, if I'm trying to give someone a nostalgic feeling like, okay, what kind of instruments can I choose for that? Should I go for like a toy piano? Or are we a little more dreamy? Like we want a harp or, or you know, or, or what is it? Like, how, how can I make that happen? And then um, when it's when it's done, and seeing a, someone's reaction to it or even like the artist's reaction to a song I've produced for them and just them loving it and like, Oh my gosh, yes, this is what I wanted. I, it, this hits all of the the points. Like that is so fulfilling. And um, it, you know, it just really is, uh, is very fulfilling for me to be able to have a hand in that. Cause like I said, even if it's not my own story, um, giving someone else a voice and like the confidence to tell, to speak their truth is, is really important to me. Yeah. It's like the, uh, you know, that, 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 that piece in the like way you, it's like, Oh, yeah. it's there. And it, they've trademarked the, uh, sound that Legos make when they click together. That's oh, a really? trademark sound. Yeah. Oh. So, so the, so, you know, I have to make sure to clear rights if I ever use that. No, there's something so, there's something so beautiful in, um, reliable about this. I don't know. It's weird. The two Legos clicking together. Oh, that's really intriguing. Um, Hey, I'm going to zoom in on a bit. You had mentioned about, I don't know, sound and effect. And you had mentioned horror and working on horror. I just want to, um, I've done a couple, um, this done a lot of shows on the podcast and um, horror pops up here and there. And I've had two, uh, two guys, James Sweet and Vin Santi, who do um, very prominent uh, Friday 13th fan films. So, oh, cool. you know, horror, like wild yeah. stuff. Um, I'm a huge horror buff. Can you just kind of give us a little look or uh, into we're watching a horror movie. You're in yeah. the background trying to make this sound. What, what's going on with that? Totally. Yeah. So yeah, one of the things that I love about horror is like the little like you, there's a good opportunity for like Easter eggs. Um, so um, there is a feature length uh, film called The Nursery that I did um, with a, a company called Three Tortured Minds. And um, there I was hired to do uh, all the, the sound design, audio cleanup and dialogue editing, all of that. But then also I was the composer. So, um, yeah, so that was a fun experience, a lot of work, but, um, super fun. And, um, so I, I took all these like little opportunities, like in the score, um, I centered around, uh, the chords D E A D to spell dead. Um, and which <laughs> happens to some of the characters. Um, and it's like one of those things that like people wouldn't notice unless they are a musician and they're like, wait a second. And, you know, and it might take them a few times watching the movie. Like, that's the thing. It's like, I want them to watch it again and again. I love it. And, um, like with, uh, if, if there's like a protagonist or I'm sorry, an antagonist, um, like the, the villain or whatever, um, I always think that they should have kind of a specific, cue like whether it's like a you know a bode symbol as I did uh in the case of the nursery or I'm working on this other um horror film for the same company and that villain has kind of like almost like a rattlesnake like kind of like sound that comes up and um I love using that to like play with um 
you know, giving you a hint that there's the villain or making you think the villain is there when they're really not. Um, and stuff like that is really fun yeah. to play with. Um, like in the nursery, there is this point where, uh, uh, this girl is all alone in this big house and she's babysitting and we're starting to get a little spooked, but not really a lot yet. And weird stuff is kind of happening. And then all of a sudden there's a knock on the door and she goes to look and like she pulls back the curtain. I give this audio cue. She opens the door and it's her friend who just came over. So it's like, <laughs> it's like, right, right. Like we can kind of psych out the audience a little bit. Um, and then there's stuff you can do like to make the audience like feel goosebumps in the right um, listening yeah. atmosphere. You know, if you boost all these really high frequencies, that is like a reaction our bodies have to that, that we can't help. So I can kind of control like, oh, this part's spooky. I want everyone to have like some goosebumpies going on. And, um, you know, as I said, I love giving people goosebumps, I guess. <laughs> I love it. I, uh, I have, um, I, I, I do wish to make um, my, my one film wish is to make a found footage horror because I am so mm. I adore that genre and like people react against it. And I'm just like, I feel about found footage the first day that I saw found footage. I love it. just That's as so much. cool. Yeah. I, I wonder if there's like an audio equivalent, like, uh, yeah, we'll, fi we'll figure it out. We'll talk after this. Um, yeah. Perfect. You know, <laughs> No, that's that's good. I and I appreciate your comment. I'm, I mean, like I said, I love, um, uh, I, I I love I love horror, um, and um, I, I love some of uh, of what it does. Um, I wanted to ask you now, Audrey, um, and you can answer you know answer this creatively or like how art appears in the world. But um, I've asked the question about like the the role of art and um it was like a like it's been a super heavy questions at times given like what's going on in society um and uh you know whether it's the pandemic uh race and equity uh, mm -hmm. around the world but in the united states and north america um and also just to entertain or to help people survive and get from a, the beginning of pandemic to the end of pandemic mm -hmm. what do you think is the role of art yeah, I mean, all all of the above. Like, I, I I think it is kind of what separates us from other life forms. Um, you know, like birds obviously can have a melody and stuff, but even if you, I actually read this interesting study about how birds like perceive melody, because if even if they're humming the exact same notes, if you move that line like up a fourth, so it's more of a harmony the bird learn has to learn it as a completely new melody whereas humans don't operate like that we see wow. oh it is the same melody but it's just you know in a different harmonic space so um and then there are other animals like dogs can perceive like rhythm and you know they can like kind of bop to a beat but yeah. they they don't perceive melody the same way but that it's not the case in humans like we can perceive rhythm and melody and harmonies and organize it and have, um, you know, this other kind of nuance and meaning and all of this stuff behind it. So, um, I mean, whether that's like specifically the role of art, uh, I, you know, I'm maybe not sure, but like, I think that is definitely what separates us. And um, I think that the, I guess, yeah, maybe the role of art then is to uh, give us that human experience, like, a way to process the world around us that we don't understand and have been trying to understand as long as trying. we've been around, you know? <laughs>
Uh, absolutely. No, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, I have a, a, a different question. Um, you, you work, uh, obviously, in production of sound and, and, and engineering. Um, say you're working with an artist uh, and they got this song, right? And mm -hmm. they got their pieces and they got their thing that they're doing. And you're going to come in and help them put it all together what's your relationship with that? I mean, as far as maybe like your fingerprints on what you're creating based on what they have, how does, how does that, can you describe how that works or how you view that? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I kind of can operate in a sort of different, different context, but usually an artist has an idea for a song, whether it's totally flushed out or not can be a sliding scale. Um, so they'll come to me and want help with, you know, the chord structure or, um, you know, what instruments we should choose, just the overall arrangement. Um, and I think it's really important for us to be on the same page about where the song can go. Um, you know, if I'm really feeling like, oh, this would be really great done like Americana with these kind of instruments or whatever but the artist is like no I want to do it in you know EDM only like then it's not gonna you know we're not gonna be a good pair and it's just not gonna be a product right. that either of us are particularly excited about um so I do think that you know someone comes to me and they kind of want some of my fingerprints on on whatever yeah. it is they're they're creating. Um, otherwise, you know, they could pick someone else who you know they want their fingerprints on it instead. Um, but at the same time, like the artist always has to be able to take ownership of of what they're creating. You know, I'm I'm not gonna um, have someone bring something to me and then tell them no they're wrong all of this needs to be different we should change this to this and blah 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 yeah. you know um it's kind of striking a balance between what i think it should be um but hopefully that is always in line with what the artist thinks it should be because that's really the most important thing to me is that the artist is telling their story you know if i am feeling like i have a story to tell i will create a song and release it myself maybe um or yeah. hire someone to sing it or or whatever um, I try, I try to honor <laughs> everyone's intentions. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I appreciate that because it's a, it's the kind of like the, the, the question of authorship around yeah. you know, in, in art piece. And I think those are fascinating a related question. All right. So you're working with the artist and, um, you know, there's different pieces being added in, maybe it's extending out a little bit. You're creating a, fixed art object at some point how do you know how do you know when it's there how do you know when it's when it's done, done. yeah um that's always a little squishy too but I um so I have ADHD um so for me when I I think a song is like done it's when it holds my attention the whole time I don't have any spots that I kind of you know space out or or whatever and um, I try to pay attention to those spots like where I do lose attention and think, OK, why is that? Is that do we need, uh, you know, to add a little instrumental flourish here or some like background vocals or should we cut to silence to like have something totally different and then come back in at full chorus or, or what has to happen? Um, and I, I think that, um, you know, that can help help other people stay in the story of the song longer. Cause you know, I think that it adds more impact if, if 
someone's mind isn't wandering too much. And since my mind wanders a lot naturally, <laughs> I have yeah. a different scale for, I guess, figuring out, um, you know, what is holding someone's attention and what isn't. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I wanted to ask you another question too. Um, I, uh, part of the podcast, I've gotten into, um, music that's newer to me, even though it's traditional, uh, mm -hmm. classical music, the symphony, yeah. uh, about three years ago, prior to the pandemic, I had never been to a symphony in my entire life. And there were really reasonable discounts for season tickets, um, for the symphony, which shocked me. Right. Nice. I mean, I think my ticket, you know, it still costs money and it's not mm -hmm. accessible to everybody. But I think that my average ticket price to go to all the concerts was like $13. Nice. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just averaged out that way. Um, so I started to develop uh, an appreciation for the symphony, but kind of a lifelong learning curve of not knowing it and then being like, oh, what's all this that's going on? I was just interested in your work um, with uh, the full ensemble uh, and symphony and, and how you work with them out in uh, Wisconsin. Do you end up doing like recordings that are released later or how do you work with a full symphony in order to capture their sound? Yeah, so uh, yeah, we do uh, do recordings that are released later. Um, lately, we've been doing more like small group, um, like quintet or quartets. Um, I think the largest we've done is an octet with eight people. It's funny, it was an octet plus a piano player. So really, it was nine people. Um, but uh, as far as like a symphony goes, um, I ideally, we want to mic up each player or at least each pair of players um oh, yeah. yeah yeah so it can be a big setup um the you know like the first violin player the concert master they'll usually have their own mic that they don't share um because you know we want to sneak a little bit extra of them in the mix um but that's that working with orchestras is really what has uh given me this intrigue about what instruments can i choose to reflect certain things because i've noticed like Oh, a bassoon can kind of sound like sneaky a little bit, you know, or, you know, and so hearing how all of these instruments like play with each other, I think has informed, um, you know, some of my production decisions. Um, but uh, yeah, for for a whole orchestra, we'll probably, you know, we'll record at a hall um, in town here because we can't uh, fit the timpanis through the door <laughs> of the studio. <laughs> um, so we'll go to like Overture Hall or the Sylvie in Madison and um, we'll record um, each concert. So it's, if it's a live performance, we'll record um, each of the times the, the uh, orchestra performs. And then um, after the audience leaves, we'll record any spots that didn't go well during the performance so we have yeah. um a, a patch session is what it's called and then um we'll take everything back to the studio and the maestro will have listened through each of the takes and uh they make the ultimate decision about what takes to use where um and then i edit it all together <laughs> oh that's yeah thank thank you for that like i said i'm so interested in, the, in that process yeah. and, and i just stumbled a little bit when you said you had to mic up each one or two yeah. of them and i'm like oh god yep, yeah yeah it's like a 70 those. i mean yeah we'll bring out like two you know we'll have 48 channels of something going on and you know wow. and that's a master and a backup and um you know for more pared down concert recordings we can get away with 
um, you know, just making the front, making everybody as a group. But if it's for release, you know, if, if the maestro wants more harp mic, uh, I'm going to have to have a mic by the harp. So that way, when he asks for that, we can pull it up. You know, if you mic with just a stereo pair out in front, uh, like a more informal or archival kind of recording, um, you, know, you don't have the control over the individual elements. So it de- it depends on what the end game is. Um, but for release, yeah, 70 mics and <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> wow. I know um, having gone to the Oregon Symphony, um, I knew they had uh, maybe two or three years ago a prominent recording that was uh, Grammy-nominated mm. um, recording. Yeah. the So it was under the Oregon Symphony. I forget which performance, um, but incredible um nice. like i said an incredible experience um for me and it was um uh, you know uh, accessible uh, for me mm-hmm. uh dropping back since you're so nimble on the questions <laughs> who or what made you who you are wow um i i think we're all a culmination of all of the decisions that you've made so for me like going to school made me who I am. It introduced me to audio or like the, you know, the technical aspects of it, like, you know, using pro tools and, you know, what microphones and how to use a console and that kind of stuff. But also like working retail has made me who I am because like I match my clients, you know, pace and their needs. And, um, you know, I can handle people screaming at me and not let it bother me, you know, (laughs) Um, not that I want that to happen, but it's, you know, it's cool. People have bad days. But you worked retail. But I worked retail. (laughs) So that, I mean, that definitely, I mean, anybody who's worked retail or like food service or, or whatever, like that makes you who you are (laughs) for sure. Um, yeah oh yeah I was gonna say yeah just generally saying yes to opportunities and like hey will you come run sound for my friend's band sure I don't know how to use a console yet but I'll figure it out and then you do Yeah, I uh, we did get sidetracked, and I think it was like the uh, the light trauma of working retail. Oh man, um, the uh, you know. I've done it. You know, I've worked uh, a lot of time in, in supermarkets, which is actually mm-hmm. jobs. I've worked I love, in supermarkets you know? too. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love those jobs. I worked third shift there. Uh, the, you know, the pay was shit at the mm-hmm. time for me, but um, I, I enjoyed the experience and uh, you know um, it, it does de- develop a, a good skills when somebody asks you to, if, if there are any more in the back, yes. right? the magical back. And you say, Magical. well, let me go check in the back and <laughs> take a smoke break for 10 minutes and sit yep, out. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I'm, most of my retail experience was between either a shoe department of a department store or a makeup department. I was a makeup artist for a while, too. And, um, yeah, you, you definitely learn the, like, psychology of talking with people, you know, yeah. like um, – I don't know. You, you you just get a good read for people, um, you know, once you work with them so much. And working retail is a crash course in working with people. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. So um, uh, and all that comes with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I got an interesting question for you um, a little bit more along the, you know, producing, engineering and creating an effect. Um, talking about uh, in terms of ambience. Uh, ambiance and, and, and feeling in a room that, you know, obviously audio can create that kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, what, 
what is that? How, how do you do it? <laughs> yeah, what's vibe? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think it all comes down to, to like, energies. Um, you know, like, you can... I've talked a lot about like, do I vibe with the artist or, you know, do we have a good vibe together? And, you know, it's, it's kind of like if you walk into a room and the people in that room just had an argument, you can feel it, you know, like if something just yeah. feels weird, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah, yeah. And, and that works in all different directions, you know, that you can tell if they were just making out and you walked in the room, you know, (laughs) the opposite end. Something is just different about the vibe of the room. And then um, with sound, um, you know, the frequencies we hear that we perceive as, as pitch, you know, the lower the frequency, the lower the pitch, the higher the frequency, the higher the pitch. Um, those have energy behind them too, like in a very like scientific way, like the higher the energy, the higher the frequency is, it's pushing more air molecules and everything out of the way. And, um, you know, we can hear that energy in a room, like as, as, as resonances, um, you know, as, as bass frequencies getting trapped in corners and, and, and stuff like that too. So it's this emotional thing, but it's also this scientific thing. Wow. <laughs> but it's i mean we've had to, it's 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 interesting as a, a philosophical question doesn't have to yeah. be absolutely answered because when you have the presence of something that is real and identifiable but is also mysterious mm-hmm. I mean, like, okay how did it end up uh, sticking there it's just a a fascinating um phenomena i i um my my connection to this uh towards trance and vibe is doom metal cool the plotting the rhythmic drumming which is journeying the plotting bass the the just rep and it talk about mood mm-hmm. and vibe and atmosphere and it's extended so it can last 8 10 12 minutes or it could be the whole show for an hour um but it's felt. Yeah. It's felt, you know? Uh-huh. And it's a powerful if you're sensitive to it, you're sensitive to it, Audrey. Mm-hmm. I am. But if you're sensitive sensitive to it, it's like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm on the wave, right? I'm on totally. the surface. Right. Yeah. And I love that you brought up Doom Metal. I think that that is like really it's probably like one of the closest genres to classical. Like, um, that sounds kind of crazy, but, um, you know, there's a lot of precision in it, you know, and it is like this extended kind of song, you know, it's not like a three or four minute song, you know, and the same thing with like a sonata and classical music, you might get like 24 minutes or 12 minutes or, you know, in a symphony it might be like 40 minutes. So it, it, you know, it, it ranges, but the technical aspect and the textures are there, you know, and there's that crossover between the two. Yeah. I, um, I, uh, was talking with Audrey Martinovich and, um, in Madison, Wisconsin. And, uh, it's, it's great pleasure to chat with you. I had, I've lived in Wisconsin for about a decade and worked with the teachers, uh, and support staff out there. Um, love the town. I love the music there. Although you'll know what this means. I'm a Milwaukee music guy. Metal, you know, so (laughs) I, I love a lot of the music that you do. I love a lot of genres of music, but my go-to for live isn't the person with the, the, 
the the folk guitar in general totally it tends to be, <laughs> it tends to be milwaukee's metal um, yep. that tends to be my live experience but i've always appreciated about that about the area because you know milwaukee's a metal town and madison is smaller and we get some we get some great stuff there but it's it's a little bit more of that it, it's folk, so funny yeah you know? that i and that's a difference i never really like thought about too much um but it makes perfect sense you know like as you get over into madison and like i live in the driftless area um it is more like folk singer songwriter indie like bonnie Vare, and you know i guess he's a little more up north but um you know but yeah milwaukee's like more more hip-hop and and metal and everything it's cool dichotomy across wisconsin yeah I, i i i love i love those two towns um uh, Audrey, I got the big uh, question for you. I got a, a throw. It's not a softball. It's a fastball. Why is there something rather than nothing? <laughs> um, I mean, I, I we've talked a lot about like energy and stuff. And so I think that we are just kind of like containers of energy of the universe. And so we're all tied together in that way. And so I think that um, our pursuit of something is to just like explore that connection and uh, those energies in a in a different way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I oh, the, there's I never the nothing, container. you know. <laughs> no, I, I I love the um, I love the 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 container aspect. Like, there's something I don't. It really vibes yeah. with me. Oh, as good. Far as, like how you no, I like how you capture the energy of like what we are as vessels. For me, exactly like, a vessel. That's I, probably that's a good word. Well, it, it for me like the only way I've been able to understand personhood. So I'm a philosopher and I studied um, Buddhist philosophy, and I was able to understand personhood a lot me- better from Buddhists, who basically said like, look, it's a like a bundle of sticks that we are, like. We're a bundle, and they call it a skanda. We're a bundle of stuff, like emotions. It's so mm-hmm. it's like collected in a space, but don't yeah. think it's like a unified, molded. It's just a bunch of sticks tied together. <laughs> yeah, I like that. We we take ourselves way too seriously, you know. <laughs> We're just a bundle of things. <laughs> <laughs> if, if 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 it feels like that, and it's not a bad thing. It can right. be a glorious thing too. Uh, um. Audrey, I have um, a surprise question at the end, but for right now, uh, and it's a little bit self-indulgent. So um, <laughs> the, 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 what I want you to do now is can you let the listeners know, and I know you work on a lot of different things and you're based in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, let listeners know how to connect with your, your stuff, your services, things you put out there, projects you've worked on. Yeah, so uh, the website for the studio is audioforthearts.com. And you can find me on Instagram at Audio Audrey. I have um, a link tree up that has a Spotify playlist with a bunch of stuff I've done, um, links to other social media articles I've written about how to keep music in politics and reviews for gear and all sorts of different stuff. So, yeah, find me online. That's um that that that's lovely and i know this it's just great um presence that you have online and uh, a lot of the projects you work on uh are, are just very vibrant um the question i have for you here's the self-indulgent piece of it too <laughs> and i i'm this this is going to be a little bit like um humbling um i think uh, that that antonov who works with taylor swift mm-hmm. is a brilliant producer 
and I've lacked the language to be able to articulate it. And I'm a huge Swifty. <laughs> and with Folklore, the album, here's the funny piece about it. Folklore, the album was released. And for me, when there are great albums, and for me, a great album is like the cure, uh, disintegration, um, like mood, atmospheric, it's a little bit dark. It's going into the soul and seeing if mm -hmm. you can come out. And that's what that one, um, that like folklore is to me. So obviously I'm like really, really into it. Yeah. But there's a piece here. I was wondering if you could help me with. There seems to be such an enormous emotional content to like this kind of skimmed down, like vocal, like not vocals, mm. but like the sound. They did a studio version and it's almost like these heart-wrenching stories that are just like, just like left beer. Yeah. Uh, just, just left sitting there. How does the producer make it like that and still sound whole? You know what I mean? Because right. you can put Taylor Swift voice on it, but it's it's spear, you know, like yeah. bony beer. It's spear and it holds all this emotional content, in my opinion. Do you know how? I love that like style. It's kind of like a minimalist sort yes. of thing, you know, but it's still, yeah, but it doesn't sound empty. Yeah. I, I love that album too. And I mean, yeah, I, th I think that that is kind of always a question I'm like dealing with is like, should I add something to this? Um, and I think that with, with, with folklore, that's such a great example of how, you know, adding more and more stuff to those tracks would have taken away from the intimacy and everything. So it's just thinking about like, you know, how intimate do we want to get with this? And then how do we like hold that attention, you know? So, yeah. um, with, you know, an acoustic guitar and a vocal, you can hold attention just by like adding some, you know, ear candy licks on that acoustic guitar or, yeah. um, you know, some vocalizations in the background or, or something there, you know, if you need to. But, um, you know, I, I feel like you kind of know it in your bones. Like for me, I, I listening to that album, I was just like so drawn in to her voice and what she was saying exactly yeah exactly where everything else just kind of you know faded away and you know wasn't wasn't the main focus for me it was like really just centered on the story and I think that is what made it so powerful it's like it wouldn't be the same record if it had you know drum kits and bass and you know everything on top of it the whole time yeah I appreciate that and then you explain it because like I said I've been like there's a strong connection or like the emotional connection of what's mm -hmm. there and I've been thinking about like uh, and it helps because I was like, well, a lot of people do spare things. A lot of people get out, you know, your guitar and sing your song, but it doesn't always be like, oh my God, like right. the, the content. And the, so um, thank Keeping you that for vulnerability. your with, 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 with that. Um, oh, yeah. Cause I, yeah, really interested in uh, um, just learning about that, that dynamic. So more um, uh, Audrey, I got to tell you, like talking to you uh, is, is like uh, real. I've learned so much and um, it's really been a great pleasure to connect on, I think, some overlap and interest there on on sound and horror. And, and yeah, you, you totally. said you were a soprano as well yes. in the past. You had done some singing, right? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. I've had a couple, uh, not that I prefer sopranos because I'm really a little bit ignorant on this, but <laughs> I've had a couple um, guests that were sopranos and I've been trying to bring in, you know, um, the kind of classical, classical music, but also um, I guarantee you, Audrey, you will get your doom metal episodes here yeah, as well. Yeah, so, good. Um, <laughs> Audrey Martinovich, um, thank you so much. And your work with Audio for the Arts and your work with artists, absolutely incredible. Um, it's, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much, Ken. I, yeah, I've had so much fun talking with you too. Thank you. Right. This is Something Rather Than Nothing. 